This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. We've spoken about the importance of turning information into actionable intelligence, of how crucial it is to be able to sift through and make sense of the data that comes at us. Recorded Future has a new team that does just that. The Recorded Future Insect Group is a team of veteran threat researchers that back up their intel analysts, engineers, and data scientists. The word insect is Swedish for insight and highlights their mission, finding insights that reduce risk for their customers. Today we're speaking once again with Levi Gundert, Vice President of Intelligence and Strategy at Recorded Future, about some of the research being done by the Insect Group. Stay with us. The Insect Group is our new research arm, so it's the cyber threat research arm of Recorded Future. The team is comprised of individuals formerly from intelligence backgrounds, law enforcement backgrounds, foreign language specialties, technical proficiencies like incident response. We're just very excited about the team and the research that we're doing and will produce for our, our customers and telling some of the stories about threats and how businesses can reduce operational risk. All right, well, why don't we jump into some of the research that you all are working on? Why don't we get started with um, with Fatboy, an uh, interesting name for a new ransomware-as-a-service product. It is interesting, and it's interesting because these products, these, these criminal products are run like any Western business would be run, and they put thought and effort into sales and marketing. And so when you're selling a new product in the underground economy and you're selling on forums, you have to differentiate your product. And so this is sort of some clever marketing with the name Fatboy. And what they've done is tied it to the Economist Big Mac index. So the price of the Big Mac varies by country. And obviously, it's uh, cheaper in certain countries and more expensive in others. And so what they've done is essentially tied uh, victim ransom payments on this particular ransomware strain to the country of infection. So the, the price of of uh, decryption, the price of, of ransoming the data is going to vary uh, based on you know where you're geographically located. So it's kind of interesting because it's a it's a development in the business model, and the the model for ransomware continues to mature as criminals think about the most efficient way to monetize a victim's computers. So just so we understand here, the Fatboy ransomware automatically, I, I suppose, based on your IP address, uh, makes a, an educated guess of where you're located and sets the ransom based on uh, your what it predicts your ability to pay would be? Exactly, exactly. So it's going to look at your IP address and match that to a country and going to present the, the sliding scale, so to speak, for, for the uh, ransom payment. So take me through exactly how ransomware as a service like Fatboy works. Well, the, the ransomware as a service as a model, you install it once. There's one criminal con- control panel, and the, the owner of that criminal control panel will attempt to partner with other criminals, and those criminals would or should have the ability to infect some number of computers uh, with ransomware through whatever whatever means or methodology they they specialize in or have available to them. And so there's a, a splitting of revenue from that rans- from those ransomware infections. And the owner of the ransomware family and the 
the, the malicious code itself is offering it to these other criminals who can help with infections and, and maximize exposure and, and infections. And so everyone splits the revenue coming out of that. And so the, the criminal that provides the ransomware is, is the one that's also providing the, the control panel. Everybody can log in and look at infection statistics and what the revenue split will be um, on, you know, any, at any given point in time. It's interesting uh, looking at uh, the blog posts that you have on the Recorded Future website about Fatboy. Uh, these are really uh, professional-grade interfaces. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when you think about ransomware, it's like, again, any Western business and the time that they put into not just the sales and marketing of it, but also the development and the user interface, you know, it's a big part of how they sell that product. And if you look, if you look at products across the last decade in the underground economy, the ones that have been very successful are the ones that have very clean, intuitive interfaces for criminals to use. So have we seen Fatboy out in the wild? We haven't personally observed it in the wild yet, but it's likely not long before the infections begin. And is uh, Fatboy a a bit of ransomware where if you pay the ransom, you will actually get your files back or not? It seems to be. um, There seems to be um, an incentive generally in the ransomware industry and it's not guaranteed, of course, but it seems that they want to establish the correct incentives that the the behavior they're looking for, you know, there's a reward and, and a payoff there because it helps the industry at large uh, gain more credibility that this is somehow, you know, legitimate business transaction. So there's there's definitely incentive to, to do it the right way uh, on the criminal side. It's interesting. I mean, it seems like there's sort of a, a spectrum of... Uh... Uh, professionalism amongst the criminals who are generating these ransomware products and I, I suppose at the high end is it safe to is it fair to say that it's the high end where you have these uh, these professional interfaces and also sort of the honor among thieves of actually giving you your files back absolutely and what you see in, in the crimeware market in general is that typically most of the business in any sort of you know crimeware as a service model most of that business ends up with the criminal products that are are most professionally developed and managed and you know that includes customer support um again all of the features that you would you would see in a normal software as a service business those are the ones that tend to attract the most uh, criminal investment and, and ultimately success and so there's a lot of ransomware families out there and there's usually only one or two families that will that will take the majority of of the market share and you know again it's it's really about the effort that gets put into the product and the the support around it. Sure. I want to move on to uh, another topic you have uh, on the Recorded Future blog. It's about uh, Chinese and Russian cyber communities digging into malware from the Shadow Brokers release. Uh, Take us through what's going on with that. Well, it's really Christmas come early for the criminal community. It's very rare that you have these sorts of disclosures or releases in terms of the the capabilities and the level of tools that were distributed by shadow brokers when they decrypted the the last files there and so when the news started you know pouring out about remote code execution possibilities as well as local privilege escalation possibilities you know for criminals it's it is really christmas come early because they just generally don't get to interact with this quality of tool sets so, you know, for them, it's how quickly can we monetize uh, these exploits? How quickly can we package these into, you know, the revenue streams that we already have uh, currently? Uh, so whatever the specialization is, you know, how can we capitalize on, on these types of exploits? So it's, it's sort of a, a feeding frenzy to figure out 
how quickly they can they can uh, maximize you know revenue and how quickly they can find vulnerable instances of computers across the internet where these uh, remote code exploits especially will be effective. And is it a matter of being a race against time where they're against the vulnerabilities being patched? Absolutely. They know that it's a race against time, but they also know that there's a large segment of hosts out there on the Internet that won't patch anytime soon. So they know that there's an opportunity. And at the end of the day, most of these folks are opportunists. And so it's really a matter of locating them. But they would like to maximize. So, you know, anything they can do to beat the clock on, on patching or workarounds is, is more money for them. And who specifically are you seeing taking an interest in uh, these Shadow Brokers releases? Well, we're seeing general chatter across a lot of different types of forums, both Chinese-speaking and, and Russian-speaking criminal forums. And so it's it's difficult to know exactly what the specializations are. But you can imagine that anybody who is scanning for new vulnerabilities and exploiting large amounts of machines across the Internet are going to use those machines in the ways that you know are, are really maximizing profitability. So whether that's uh, launching denial service attacks, launching spam campaigns, launching uh, watering hole or, or drive-by attacks on on uh, staging from web servers you know installing ransomware on those machines there's you know there's so many different ways to to monetize and so it's it's really a matter of how, how many how many machines can they gain unauthorized access to um, spam continues to be profitable uh, phishing continues to be profitable there's there's so many different avenues for monetization so just by way of explanation, uh, give us a description. Who are we talking about when we're talking about the shadow brokers? Well, there's certainly many theories out there. Uh, I, I can't speculate on who, who they are or who, who they aren't. There's certainly a lot of information out there and, and theories about who, who they are. Um, there's not a, a ton of, of data that I've personally seen. doesn't mean there isn't data. I just I haven't seen the data. So, you know, there's certainly inferences that they're related to a nation state, a nation state intelligence service. Again, it's really speculation on my part. But the tools that they're claiming to have, they're claiming that those tools are coming from the U.S. NSA, correct? That claim has been made, absolutely, that uh, it's, it's coming from American intelligence group or, or contractors that work for that group. And so for your average enterprise user, what level of alert should they have knowing that these tools are out there? Well, businesses obviously need to be super alert and having a, a vulnerability management program in place is, is pretty critical because this isn't a one-off event. You know, obviously we see some some pretty large watershed moments in, in the internet over the last couple of years in terms of, of major vulnerabilities in protocols and applications that we all use on a daily basis. So if you're an enterprise, if you're a, a, a fairly good-sized business, you have to have a vulnerability management program in place. There's just no way around it. So what's on the horizon for the Insect Group? Can you give us any sort of sneak preview of what kind of stuff you all are working on? Well, we're super interested in geopolitical events and evolutions and, and what's happening in, you know, across the globe and, and not just cyber security, but also, you know, what that means in, in the larger geopolitical realm. And so, you know, we're, we're focused on data that is uh, coming out of recorded future, but we're also working with our partners to tell you know, larger stories about uh, what's going on at, at the nation-state level as well, hopefully. Our thanks to Levi Gundert for joining us. You can find details about Fat Boy and the Shadow Brokers, as well as more intelligence analysis on the Recorded Future blog at recordedfuture.com slash blog. 
And of course, we covered some of their research on the Carmen ransomware strain back in Episode 3 of this podcast, so be sure to check that out as well. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.